You're listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with host Jennifer Mattern. Helping serious freelancers, bloggers, and indie authors go pro. Hello and welcome. I'm Jen Mattern, your host of the All Indie Writers Podcast. Thank you for joining me today for episode number four. You can find show notes and links to resources mentioned in this episode by visiting allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash four. In today's episode, I'm going to answer four blogging-related questions that were submitted as a part of the ebook giveaway from episode number two. Let's just jump right in. Two of today's blogging-related questions came from fellow freelance writer Anne Wayman, who runs aboutfreelancewriting.com. Her first question is this. My audience knows I don't spell well. I make no secret of it. Occasionally, some commenter will point out an error. That's okay, except when they get rude about it. How do you handle rude commenters? That's a great question, Anne, and I think it actually comes down to a few different things. First, you mentioned that your readers, your audience, already knows that you have issues with spelling. And the one thing I would caution against there is not to make assumptions based on what you think your regular readers know about you. You have to remember that each month you're getting a lot of first-time visitors from search engines, from social networks, and from links on third-party sites. And those individuals, they could be coming in at any particular page. I mean, that might not be your latest content. It might not be one where you've discussed issues with spelling in the past, and they might have no idea. So when it comes to blogging, it's generally a good idea to look at everything from the perspective of a brand new visitor and to make sure everything can stand on its own. As for the issue of people commenting just to complain about a typo, there are different ways you could handle it. First, you could not reply to the comment and simply make the change. Um, Another option is to make the change and then thank them in your comments. Or I know some bloggers who do not publish the comments that talk about their typos, but they will still make the change and sometimes they'll shoot a private email to the commenter thanking them for taking the time to point it out. Now, some of those comments you're saying are on the rude side, and in that case it really comes down to what you consider rude. A lot of writers are highly sensitive, where they'll take something as rude, even if it's not necessarily. You know, that's something that I talked about with Princess Jones in episode number three, when we were talking about negative book reviews and author reactions to them. And the same thing is true with bloggers. Sometimes we take things personally, even if they're not intended to be, and You know, sometimes comments are harsh, and, you know, that's just a part of deciding to publish a public blog. You're going to have people who disagree with you. You might have people who are disappointed in the typos they find because you are a professional writer, and that's, you're advising professional writers on your blogs. And I think those are fair Honestly, I think that readers have a right to expect more if they go to a blog run by a professional writer. That said, I don't have an issue with bloggers making occasional typos. I certainly make my fair share. And that is 
also just a reality of blogging being such an immediate medium in that we can fire off blog posts quickly. We don't necessarily spend days editing them or take time off to go back with fresh eyes. And a lot of blogs are self-edited. I would say if you get a lot of complaints about typos, it's probably a good idea to bring in a proofreader who can help you clean up old posts and someone that you can run your new posts by before they're published. That is the safest bet as far as minimizing those kinds of complaints moving forward. If you don't want to spend money on a proofreader, you could also partner with another writer or you could exchange services in some way with a proofreader. Bartering is always an option. Now, let's talk about the truly rude comments, the ones where someone might come and post an entire rant in your comment section about a simple typo. That's generally uncalled for. You know, that's a situation where you might make the change but not approve the comment. But one thing I would suggest for dealing with rude comments in general is to have a comment policy very clearly laid out on your site. If you want to see an example of one, you can view the comment policy for All Indie Writers at allindiewriters.com slash comment hyphen policy and you'll see that I actually have 10 policies laid out there. My very first one actually tells people that I'm okay with them being rude to me. Um, but then I go on and I say I don't tolerate that same kind of behavior towards other contributors or towards other readers who are leaving comments. And that is a policy that's worked very well for me. My stance is that if I'm going to publish things publicly on a blog that I have to be open to a broad range of comments. And I don't believe in censoring someone simply for disagreeing or for pointing out a problem. That said, if somebody does post something that could be considered harsh or rude, I expect them to put their name on it just as I do with my blog posts. So I don't accept those kinds of comments if they're posted anonymously. And that actually cuts things down significantly because a lot of people aren't interested in publishing scathing comments under their own names simply because they have no control over getting those comments removed later after they've cooled down. No matter what policies you decide to set on what you'll approve and what you will not approve to be publicly posted on your site, by laying it out in a comment policy and then linking to that comment policy near your comment form, you at least are covered if somebody later complains. You know, they're agreeing to these policies if they choose to comment. If they don't want to abide by them, that's fine, but then you don't have to publish their comments. And while I don't like censoring comments, there are absolutely grounds where it's appropriate. And that comes down to knowing your audience, what their tolerances are, and making sure that comments that are posted are appropriate for that audience. You don't want to drive away other readers by allowing comments that they find extremely offensive. That said, you know, it's a fine line because when a blog has nothing but glowing comments and it starts to look like an echo chamber, 
readers aren't idiots. They know that you are most likely censoring out comments that disagree with you or that aren't particularly flattering to you. And that is extremely unappealing as a reader. So you don't want to become so sensitive that you can't handle any kind of criticism or other viewpoints that don't necessarily agree with you. In the end, it's your blog. You don't have to publish a rude comment if you don't want to. And it's okay to just ignore them. You can delete it, stick it in your spam bin. Uh, If you use WordPress, you can even moderate comments from that individual based on their IP address or email address in the future, so nothing will get automatically posted to your site. And I strongly recommend posting, or I'm sorry, moderating comments from first-time commenters. That's what I do at all indie writers. It cuts down on pretty much any kind of spam or abusive comments getting through automatically when I'm not there to handle it and respond. In the end, it's all about setting a comment policy that works for your particular blog and then sticking to it. Okay, let's move on to the next question. This one is also from Ann Wayman. And she says, Jen, I normally blog on Tuesdays and Thursdays, sending a newsletter out on Thursday. What should I do when I can't meet that schedule? Tell my readers or just get back to it as soon as I can. This is another good question. A lot of bloggers occasionally need to take time off or they might get off of their normal schedule. In most cases, there is absolutely no need to tell your readers that you're going to be gone. However, there are situations that I would consider exceptions. For example, let's say you, you know you're going to have surgery or you're going to be going on an extended vacation or maybe you're about to have a baby and you know you're going to take a significant period of time off. In situations like that where you know ahead of time that an extended break is coming, first, I would let my readers know. And second, I would try to either pre-schedule content that will go live, letting them know that I might not be around as much for comments, or I would bring on guest posters and have people lined up with other fresh content for them while I'm gone. But in the case where you're just going about, you know, your day-to-day work and you find, okay, I'm swamped with a client project, so I'm not going to be able to update my blog today, or I won't have time to put together my newsletter. It's not a big deal. In the end, people aren't going to miss us nearly as much as we might hope they would. They're going to move on. They're going to read other blogs they follow. They have other things going on, too. They're not going to notice. Most of them simply aren't going to notice. And those that do, they'll still be there when you get back on your next scheduled date. You might get back to it the next day. So for example, if you miss your Thursday newsletter, maybe you would send it out Friday. It's okay to deviate from your schedule a little bit here and there. It's nice to have predictability for your readers, but most of them are not going to ditch you because things came up and you had to rearrange your schedule a little bit. So yeah, if you know you're going to be off for a while, I would let them know, let your readers know. And If you're just going to miss a day here and there, or you need a short break, you really don't have to do that. 
and you aren't going to drive readers away because of that. Now let's move on to the third question, which came from Emily Fowler. This is actually similar to Anne's second question related to blogging schedules. Emily says, how important is it to blog to a regular schedule? I find that although I have a list of ideas for future posts, I don't regularly make the time to write them, so mine is a bit hit and miss. Similarly, is it better to post less if you can stick to the schedule, say once a month, or post sporadically when you can, so once a week for a few weeks, then nothing for a month? This is basically the same thing that I said to Anne, which is it's okay to deviate from a schedule. Yes, it's nice to have a predictable schedule. You are not going to drive people away because you deviate from it every now and then. In this case, Emily is talking more about your regular posting plans and what happens if you aren't necessarily sticking to a regular schedule. You know, again, it's okay. It's nice to have that regular schedule, but if you can't do it, you can't do it. In the example she gives, she says, would it be better to blog once a month and stick to that schedule, even if it means blogging less overall, or is it better for her to post a little more sporadically, you know, once a week, then taking a break, then maybe go back to that once a week schedule. In that case, I would say if you can do fewer posts and do them reliably, I would go with that, at least as a base. On the other hand, if you do find that you have more time to create more posts, schedule them ahead of time. So for example, let's say you stick with that one post per month policy and you're able to do that reliably. Well, then one month comes along and you do have time to write weekly posts. That's great. You know, you have an extra three posts that month. Do you publish those posts during that particular month? You can. Or what I would do in that situation is to take those three posts, publish one extra post that month, and schedule the next two for the next two months. So now you have a three-month period with two posts per month instead of one. It increases your posting frequency. It accounts for you having more sporadic writing time. And you can probably come up with one or two days every quarter where you can do that again and have an extra few posts ready to go to line up for the next few months. If you can do that, great. You know, if you want to post more one month and post more one month, it's not going to hurt anything. Um, consider it testing. You know, it never hurts to play with your schedule and test and see how your audience responds. If you find that you're getting a lot more traffic, you're getting better ad revenue, making more ebook sales on your blog, getting more comments, more social media shares, then maybe that will light a fire under you to stick with that schedule. So go ahead, play with, play with your schedule. It's okay to do that. Um, be predictable when you can. But don't be afraid to change things up. Now I want to tackle a question that was submitted by Carrie Lynn Engel. Carrie Lynn asks, I'm thinking of starting to outsource the writing of one of my blogs for the first time. What are your tips for finding good writers and optimizing my workflow to be the most efficient so I save time by outsourcing? 
I have outsourced content for about a half a dozen of my blogs over the years, including this one, when it used to be all freelancewriting.com and I had a team of regular contributors. And outsourcing writing for your blog is it's a tricky situation sometimes. In the case of having a group writing for me, I didn't necessarily save time. Now, I got more content than I otherwise would have had on the blog, but there was less content coming from me because of the time that you spend managing and organizing, and, and that was pretty minimal oversight on my part. I gave the contributors fairly free reign, but it was still a bigger time commitment than I had anticipated, and I felt less connected with my blog and my audience, which is one of the big reasons I decided to go back to making this a solo blog. So you can't always assume that outsourcing is going to save you time. And now it does in other cases, in other cases where I've only had one or two people writing for the blog for me. And these are blogs that I run, but I don't necessarily care if my name is associated with. It's actually not in many cases. Then outsourcing to third party writers can be a great move. And as long as you find competent writers who know the subject matter, who you can trust, you can save a lot of time. I would simplify the workflow by setting them up with accounts on your blog so they can post or schedule the content themselves. You can set it up so that they only can save the draft for you to approve, and then you can schedule it as well. And... You know, this way you're not getting Word documents or text documents that you then have to put into the system. It doesn't take a lot of time to do that for a single article, but if you have regular content coming in, that does become time-consuming. I would also try to get the, the contributors to handle basic add-ons, like finding images that would work or doing SEO for the post, um, in the sense of, writing up a meta description and a good SEO title. That said, if you want your contributors to do those kinds of things, I would say be prepared to pay more for it. You know, those are add-on services. Some might include them in their base rates. Others are going to have lower base rates and charge extra for that. If you're going to be outsourcing content to multiple contributors it might also save time to hire one of them or even somebody else to serve as an editor for the blog. Somebody who can proofread the content as it comes in, make sure all the links work, make sure things are formatted properly so that they look as good as they can on your site. Those kinds of things take time. And if you're managing this content for multiple people, sometimes it takes a lot more time than you'd think. Now, when it comes to finding good writers to help you prepare blog content, I would say start with people you trust. All but one contributor that I've hired has been somebody that I already knew and I already trusted. You know, it was somebody who was already familiar with my sites, who was familiar with me and what I was trying to do with those sites in some way. So, for example, with all freelance writing, I was already familiar with that whole that whole group, that team. And I brought in the first few. 
you know, they might, they might have been readers of the blog. Um, Yolanda Prinzel, for example, I was already friendly with her. Um, Chris, I was a reader of his blog and I knew him from another community. Rebecca had actually started the blog with me. All Freelance Writing it used to be SixFigureWriters.com, which was a group blog. And there were five of us blogging there, and Rebecca was one of those five individuals. When we decided to disband the group blog, that was when I rebranded my content there and turned it into All Freelance Writing. So it was a no-brainer to bring Rebecca back in. I would always, always start with people that you already trust. And if you do have to go out and find other people, advertise only if necessary. You know, start by asking for referrals from other writers, other bloggers that you know, especially if you know that they've worked with contributors. You know, find out who's written for them, were they happy with them, you know, what issues came up. And then if you do have to advertise to find someone else, I would stick to I would stick to job boards or sites that are highly tailored to freelance writers, um, especially ones that you would even consider checking if you were looking for work. I would probably avoid things like Craigslist. Um, You could use a job board. Obviously, you could use the Only Writers job board. (laughs) Plug, plug. Um, You could use ProBlogger's job board. Now, the risk with using some of these things is that you'll end up getting overwhelmed by the number of responses you receive. I know clients who have used some of these job boards and have had, you know, well over 100 responses, sometimes several hundred responses, um, because as soon as they offer a professional pay rate on a public job board, they are setting themselves apart from most of those other ads, and you'll start to get applications from writers who are only attracted by the pay level And they don't necessarily have the skills or the niche knowledge that you're asking for. So you need to be careful about that and just be prepared for it because that can be one of the biggest time sinks that you'll deal with. In the end, the more you can trust the people that you have writing for you, the less work you're going to have to do. And you'll get familiar with them over time where it might get easier. They might need fewer edits, for example. But, you know, early on, that trust factor is just so important because you want people that you can trust to upload media to your site, people that you can trust to follow basic style guidelines, um, people that you can trust to write content that is going to be appropriate for your audience. And the clearer your guidelines are for them, the less of a headache you're going to have. And I hope that helps. And that is all I have for you today in this special Q&A episode of the All Indie Writers Podcast. I'd like to invite you to submit your own writing-related questions to be answered in a future episode, whether or not it's blogging-related. You can submit those questions online at allindiewriters.com slash podcast. There is a contact form for you on that page. Or you can email questions to Jen, that's J-E-N-N, at allindiewriters.com, or you can leave me a voicemail at 484-575-1345, and that voicemail may be played during a future episode. 
Remember, you can find show notes for this episode at allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash four. Until next time. You've been listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with Jen Mattern, a freelance theater production. Freelance theater. It's all writers need for life's little episodes.